On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Amazon acquiring iRobot, stepping up your service, and commercial and residential partners. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 342. Absolutely not. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my longtime friends. First, we have Katie McGregor Bennett. She's the president at KMB Communications. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well, doing well. Having a better day than you are, that's for sure. I'm having a great day. I don't care what anybody says. Um, yeah, that's what we're going with. That other person you hear there laughing is Amanda Wildman. She is the co-owner of True Media Home. How are you doing, Amanda? I am doing great, Matt. And apparently we're going to be on like opposite ends. It's going to be a battle duke out with you and I today. No, no. You're allowed to be wrong. It's cool. It's perfectly fine. That's how we're starting it out. It's, yeah. it's great. All right, we're going to kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro with a a footnote from Bloomberg, uh, because I'm that kind of guy. Amazon has acquired iRobot Roomba for $1.7 billion, yes, billion in cash, adding to its growing portfolio of smart home things like Ring, Fire TV, and Echo smart speakers, etc., I don't want to say we saw this coming, but they've talked about buying uh, Roomba for a couple of, or iRobot as the parent company for a couple of years. But I also want to tag this into a story uh, out of Bloomberg that came after this, where the Roomba deal with Amazon is specifically about mapping your home. Um, gosh, we covered this back when, before we had Resi Week on AV Week uh, about how concerning it was that iRobot was not only mapping your home so it could vacuum your carpet better, but it was storing that data uh, and, and using that from an analytic standpoint. And if you read through the Bloomberg report that our good friend Mitchell will throw uh, up into uh, the, the show information, you can see that that is specifically what they're doing by uh, accessing and, and having control of those maps. They know the size of your house, which gives a good proxy for your wealth, depending on your location. If you've got toys all over the floor, it means you've got kids. If you don't have much furniture, there are so many pieces that they're going to pull out of the analytics of this, which should concern me. Katie, when you see this, other than it's cool that Amazon keeps adding to their portfolio of smart home devices, is this as concerning to you as this is to me? It is. It is concerning. So, so back up. Yes, it is. It is concerning. It's not surprising at the least. I think this is. We've seen. We've seen this one and and variations of this coming for coming for years. And I think you know that's just that's kind of the reality. And what takes me to my next point, which is we've been seeing this type of activity coming into view for years. We know it's happening. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. My position on these types of things is what can be done then to secure these types of technologies by the custom integration channel because we, we can't get away from them entering the home for the most part. I mean, obviously it's a consumer decision and based on, you know, the, the needs of your household and the decisions that you make, how much technology you allow into it. I think, you know, that's obviously a very personal decision, but 
products like this are going to continue to come to market. They're going to continue to be compelling. The more data they can acquire and provide to a potential marketing-based company, the more the more desirable they're going to be for acquisition. So I think we should flip the script and go, how can our community do an even better job in the future of making sure that products like this can be as controlled as possible so that only the information and the data and the analytics go outside of that home as the home is prepared to release into the wild. Can this be done with this product? I don't know. I think I, to a degree, yes. There are integrators that actually have this in their model. And I know, Matt, mm -hmm. you're like, there's no way we should even be touching this. But there are level up automation. Jen Mallet, this is, this is a big part of her business model is conceding and catering to these types of products and doing the best that they can to, to bring it into the ecosystem of the home, but also protect the home as the best as it can be. So. Yeah, there, there, there are ways to control it from a network level, what, what goes out and what doesn't go out, et cetera. Um, but that also can occasionally have limitations on the functionality of the device. Amanda, the part of this that continually frustrates me is, as I'm sure you have been in the past, we routinely get built, beat up by our customers, by products that we put into their home because, oh my gosh, they might not be secure and somebody might be monitoring them. Um, namely CCTV and smart TVs and all this other crap. They're going out and buying Roombas at Target or Best Buy or wherever the heck they want. And the level of data that's going out from devices like this, not just Roomba, but it, everything else, far exceeds the stuff that we typically as integrators are selling. Without going down the finger pointing route, how do you have that conversation with the client who's concerned about privacy in your walkthrough while your feet are being bumped into by a bloody Roomba? <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things where we have to make the people aware, right? I mean, this is a topic that we need to bring awareness to and that it gives validity to our industry for why we need to be there and why we need to be part of the conversation. Because, I mean, this is that gift that, right, you buy somebody off of their wedding registry, like, here, start a new home. By the way, we're going to give you this thing that now Amazon knows your entire footprint of your house and nobody thinks about it. They just think, oh, I'm buying a really great gift that's going to offer a convenience to this couple or, you know, to, to dear grandma or, you know, whatever the case may be in their home. And we don't realize what the trade-off is because we're not having those conversations. Because certainly like the places that sell them, I mean, you're not going to get someone at Target or even someone at Best Buy or someone at Amazon that says, oh, by the way, buy this product. And here's the trade-off, the convenience we're offering you. This is what you're giving up as far as privacy. But I think so for us, it needs to be that conversation because our model is not to sell that kind of product, but to bring that up to the conversation and say, this is why it's important to have an integrator. This is why it's important to have someone who monitors your network. You can have these products because it's everybody's choice. I mean, people can choose what privacy they want to give up or what level of privacy. Some people are absolutely not, probably like you, Matt. And some people are like, well, you know what? The convenience is, is going to be more, but at least they're aware of it. You know, and I think that that's one of our biggest jobs is the education and making them aware. When you're plugging something in and you attach it to the network, what what convenience are you getting and what privacy are you giving up? And are there ways to potentially kind of mitigate the privacy that you give up while still having some of the convenience? Like you said, maybe they don't get all the features, but that's where our job really comes into play. Education. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
All right, let's change topics for a moment. This comes to us from Residential Systems and stepping up your service, uh, how a white glove treatment requires dedicated staff and clear-cut processes, not processes, processes. Uh, and is it right for your business as I made both the Americans laugh? All right, read through this article because they cover a lot of really good points and, and highlight Premier uh, SAV um, based out of Jackson Hole. Um, where I'd love to go skiing, um, talking about how they've they've scaled up their service to deal with a bunch of clients that require white glove. Um, Amanda, service is this dubious realm that most integrators politely suffer in. We, we cannot make heads or tails of this. How do you apply and implement a proper service approach? Not necessarily even a plan or a team, but an approach that is scaled appropriately to your cu your customer um, lifestyle, shall we say, and your company's size and bandwidth. Because we hear th th there's so many different avenues there as far as what is the industry approved uh, or, or promoted service approach. And I, for one, don't think that works for 90% of the integrators. Yeah. Um, I think, again, it's it's one of those things in the article, what I loved that they talked about is the soft skills that they that it really takes a special person, you know, and regardless of which way you go, whether you choose to outsource it, you know, for like the first calls in, whether you choose to do it in house, I think that that was a really great thing that they first pointed out is that it is a very unique skill set. It's not going to be like just handing your technician on the weekend the phone call because the technician may or may not have that type of soft skill set. But at the same time, one of the things like that we implemented in our office is we do, we call them field trip days, where even people in our office have opportunities where they go out into the field to see the challenges and see the things that we come up with or that we're working on and how it all gets installed so that they can better answer the phone, so that they can better understand a little bit of the technical. Because the, the biggest thing at the beginning is people want to know that they're going to be taken care of. And if they're really, really upset about something, you have to have a person who knows how to diffuse the situation. Even if it means, hey, you know what, we can't get that part right away, or hey, it's gonna take a truck roll tomorrow, we can't get it to it to today. People need to be heard. People need to know that you understand what the problem is and people need to know that you have a solution. And so I really liked how they focused on that soft skill. So whether you're a big company and you have a whole division like Premier, whether you outsource it, you know, through another company that can help you, you know, answer those phones or whether you choose to do it in-house, I think the biggest takeaway from that whole story is knowing the right kind of people and the right kind of skill sets that they have to have. Yeah, that's a really good point. Katie, one of the, one of the things that always gets touched on here is that we essentially get fed this line that we're supposed to have this process in place and no one has this process in place. Where do you go to figure out an effective way? Is this when you lean on, you know, a contractor that you work with really well, who has kind of figured out service or a home builder or an architect? I don't know. Where do you go to figure this out? Because again, most people haven't. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think looking at available resources within our industry first, I think just fundamentally should always be the, the, the first step. Um, so in and within our within our community, there are service providers of varying levels. There's One Vision Resources, there's Parasol, there's, 
other other companies that provide services and outsource resource to integrators for those who don't have the resources to do them in inside or mm-hmm. have ways to script and provide a roadmap for creating a service department within your company. So those resources exist. There's being able to lean on your peer group, which if you've got a strong um, peer group just from being in the industry and, and networking, there's, you know, there's that avenue. I think, you know, if you're part of a buying group, definitely, you know, the peer structure there is, is significant. And, and the advantages that you get of kind of that smaller circle or bigger circle perspective is just how close are the, are those other peers to um, the same similar model that you have, same revenue structure, same even regional structure. Those, all of those little nuances are, are important. So anyways, you know, long-winded answers. Always look at the, you know, your industry resources first. But I'm a big advocate of looking into the adjacent trades and, and looking at, at how service is provided, delivered, and, and exceeds customer expectations, not just in our own industry. You know, we don't necessarily grow by doing everything the same way that we've always done it and the others in our, in our industry have always done it, you know? So I think doing, doing some due diligence, obviously you need to have time and bandwidth to be able to do that. So sometimes just going back to the industry resource is a great place to start, but then being diligent in your follow-up on that on a quarterly or annually basis and just going and taking a look at, at what others are doing. And I just, I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. But honestly, this article provides a really good roadmap, honestly, you know, and I mean, it does. And, you know, the individuals that are quoted in here in SAV, especially who I've, I have some personal connection to being here in Montana, but, you know, they just acquired a, a location up in Jackson that is a joint venture with another, um, with Premier, with Premier Group. And that's mm-hmm. a joint venture in a market that will absolutely require the highest level of service that probably almost any market outside of New York is likely to command. And the reason that they're doing it is because together they can actually rise to that level of service, which is higher than they're both individually providing right now. And and that's just, that's where things are going. You know, when billionaires are pushing millionaires out of a market, the level of service and everything that goes with it has to be up to that level. So, you know, really understanding your market and being able to deliver to what it needs today, but being ready to stretch to what it needs tomorrow, I think is something that it really just needs to be kind of be front of mind. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Not, not easily done, of course. <laughs> no, not at all. Speaking of partnering, <laughs> um, <laughs> our next article is uh, from Commercial Integrator. Should commercial and residential integrators partner up? Written by the one and only Amanda Wildman, uh, who I'm sure is going to debate me on this in a moment. Go read through the article. Stop laughing. We haven't got to that part I'm yet. just going to sit back and put my feet no, up here. No, I'm you like, get to go yeah. first. Katie's going to be our referee for the day. <laughs> yep. Ding, ding. And in this corner. <laughs> so go read through the article because it is a phenomenal read. Um, Amanda's touching on a couple of things about uh, essentially that there should be a lot of collaboration between commercial and residential integrators because there are so many opportunities that cross over across the board. Katie, I, I do want to start with you on this so that Amanda and I can then duke it out. Duke it out. I think one of the biggest things that I see here and, and just revolving around this conversation in general is, is there a difference and is there a different approach between partnering up and essentially doing a handoff because i i think there is i think that nine times out of ten the handoff approach is the significantly more effective approach is you can you can get along really well 
when it's something that is in the commercial vein, if you're a residential integrator, you hand it off to your, your friends at this commercial integration company. When they get resi stuff or if they have a CEO who wants their house done, they pass it on to you as the residential integrator. Is there a difference between that or am I splitting hairs in terminology? No, 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 no. I think this is devil's in the details kind of scenario. And I think that there's, it, it all depends on the, on the, um, the skill set, the scope of work, the level of capability. I think obviously having take in, take that it, it with, with a grain of salt, but you know, there's general broad brushstroke conversation here. But I think that the, the phrase, you know, everyone in their lane truly, truly applies here as it does in, in any time we're talking about residential commercial work. However, more and more, and I think it's safe to say in both, in both the commercial space and the residential space, there's a, there's a, request for the service that extends beyond your traditional scope of work. And so resi integrators are being asked to do commercial like commercial. Oftentimes what I hear is it's the, it's the boardroom scenario, right? So you work on someone's home mm -hmm. and they want you to do their boardroom. Um, maybe they want you to get involved in, in their church. And Matt, I, that one's intentional for you just to get the hair on the back of your head up so that you can, yep, I know. Yep. I didn't say it was a good idea, but I just said, you know, the question's going to come up. You just um, had to bring and, that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually for the listeners, so they know that now they've heard you growl, so they know that you're coming. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that I, I think that it's it's a reality is that the the question that is going to be asked of of the service provider for there to be an extension of that service into a realm which is potentially maybe not their their core cup of tea. So having resources available to be able to pull in and either align with a partner or hand off. Whatever the situation really calls for, I think you need to be ready to to um, to, to pull the trigger differently, depending on what the ultimate need of that client is. Does it make sense for you to have your hands in that project all the way through if you're a resi integrator and you've never done that type of work? Probably not. Probably not. That's a handoff. You know, to me, just you know, brushstroke again. That'd be a really easy. Ha just hand it off because you want the outcome to be positive no matter what. And and if you don't already have that skill set, there is somebody that that is there. And the peer group structure within our community is getting so much stronger that I bet that's literally just a tweet away, <laughs> looking for looking for somebody that that can provide that resource for you. So um, obviously, to the time to do that is before you have the need. Um, so starting to do that networking beforehand, if that's something that's starting to come into view for you, I think is absolutely critical. But anyways, not uh, uh, I, I'm going to now sit back, relax, and enjoy <laughs> the conversation between you two. <laughs> wow, I don't know why why she's implying that. I'm adversarial in this one. Um, Amanda, my friend, how do you manage the relationships here? Because this is my, con this is my broad concern beyond the getting over your tips, getting beyond your skis, being out of depth, not knowing what you're doing. I can go down that vein for quite a long time. Um, but once you do get a partnership, or a, an understanding even. How do you go about not ruining that relationship and defining the line where you're going to back away or go after something? Because once you get a partnership going, that's the next issue that's going to arise is it's fine to do the CEO's you know, home theater and then maybe it's okay if you do their network. And then maybe you'll touch their, their office. 
But then what happens when it's, you know, something bigger or, or a little restaurant around the corner that they're investing into? And I'm not necessarily saying like in the article, I think, I think when you see like partnership or whatever, you're kind of looking at it more like I'm totally writing off handoff. Like, and when you read that article, like I do talk about the pros and cons and like where you need to find your position, but there is definitely, you know, a handoff in a certain area where like, I can't get certain products as a resi person that sometimes commercial people can, but that a residential person wants in their home, right? So a partnership to me would be something like, okay, you know what? I don't want this executive to have a totally different office at their home than what it is that they have at work. And but if I can if I can partner with them and I can say, look, I'm doing the infrastructure, I'm setting up everything that needs to go inside and you bring the product in, to me, that's a partnership, right? And it's clearly defined of where I start and where I finish. We've done some small, like, commercial, I'll say commercial projects, not like necessarily like a church project like yours, but where we've partnered, where I had the manpower and I had the bandwidth in the local area to be able to run the infrastructure. Now, the person that I partnered with, they were more commercial. They said, look, this is what we need, where we want our drops, how we want to have this set up. And we did a partnership kind of thing. Like it was clearly defined where I started and where they finished. But I was in a position where I was local in the area. I had the manpower to be able to do it. They didn't have to have the resources to have someone come in for like multiple months over a super long project during the construction. I could come in and I could take care of part of that. And then they could come back in and then they could come in with their crew for like a couple days or a week and finish out the infrastructure. So I guess when I say partner up to me, that's more of like a partnership type of thing is clearly knowing where my lane is. Like I am not doing soundboards or stuff like that in a church, or I hate when I get the call about like the loop system, right? With the hearing aids or whatever, like I'm going to hand that off to whoever my partner is on that. But if there's certain infrastructure things that need to be there and I can help them along with that, or if there's a, a weird one-off scenario where someone needs something more within their home, I would argue that as a, as a residential person, I know more about the structure of their home, pulling the wire, getting it to where it is that I need to, not dealing with like tray ceilings or drop ceilings and stuff like that, but I might not have the product. So that's where I'm talking about a partnership. So maybe I didn't totally articulate that in the article but i don't think we're as far apart as what you think matt on this I, whole time I, I don't think we are where i get concerned having run into this myself mm -hmm. is situations where you've got a residential integrator who wants to own the network in the home and yep. they should in most situations to a point but not but not all Mm -hmm. we've had clients who are in the financial world or in the judicial world or in other areas, heck, in the political space mm -hmm. who have requirements that as a quote-unquote residential integrator, I can't touch. Correct. And it has to go to the company that's managing that infrastructure for that organization in general. Mm -hmm. We see this a lot in in office like home office spaces where you're can i get all the products as a company that has both divisions a residential and a commercial usually i can but quite often i can't actually achieve things because i'm not in this situation you know 
a, an approved vendor for that company, how do you go about, again, not stepping on toes in those areas? Do you just have to take the polite back seat? Well, and that's where I would argue that that's where your partnership comes in, right? Is because you have that relationship. Maybe it's more of a relationship instead of a partnership, Matt, <laughs> you know, where you have that relationship with someone where you can say, you know, hey, I'm working on this person's home, but they have needs because of what type of career they're in or because of, you know, what it is that they're doing that I'm not equipped to go ahead and take care of. But what resources do I have? And I mean, over the pandemic, like a lot of my commercial friends were great resources for me, you know, when people had to mm -hmm. go work from home. I mean, I didn't know squat like you go to take your CTS uh, certification. I mean, they spend chapters upon chapters on like microphones and stuff. You go to anything in CDA world, we don't talk about microphones at all. Right. And so having those partnerships and having those and people should remember that. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's okay. Stop selling microphones if yeah. you don't know what the heck you're doing. And video walls. <laughs> Correct. And house of worship systems and video conferencing and most bars and restaurants. And hmm. But that's why you have that heart. But that's why you have that partnership. Maybe it's a relationship, not a partnership. Maybe you just don't like the word partnership. But that's where you have that relationship. We're like, I can work with you. you does that make how, sense? How, oh, no, it totally does. How do we get, and, and then we'll wrap this because I'll just yep. go on a tangent. <laughs> how do we get more integrators to recognize, and I'm going to be annoyingly blunt, that they do not know what they're doing and stop trying to swim in the deep end of the pool when you can't float or tread water or wear water wings and breathe <laughs> well you that's where you have that conversation on the service right because understand that like you might see the dollars of you putting it in but like at that's some point you, you have to service that and like i don't care how much money you make off of a product if you don't know it and you have to pay to have someone on your team research it and develop it and service it and you know it, it's much better equipped to have one of those other partners to, you know, hey, I took care of like the infrastructure or whatever, and you're taking care of this piece. And that's right, like even that executive office, I might take care of the rest of the house, but that office, you're gonna tell me, hey, I want this drop here, I want that drop there. Like that's what I'm talking about a partnership so that that commercial guy that's taking care of your office just comes in and says, okay, you know what, we're gonna duplicate what we have at the office for your huddle room but I'm working with that residential integrator to take care of that piece, but then they're gonna service it. And all I did was take care of just what terminated at the wall where they needed it at that point. Because I don't want I don't want to service that. I mean, to service video walls all day long for me, it's just not a business model for me. And that's we do talk about that in the article. Like, you know, you can't can't get too far in that deep end. You can't get into an area where now all of a sudden all that profit that you made, you're spending on service calls and truck rolls and trying to train a guy and looking like an idiot because they're gonna give you bad press. They're gonna be much quicker to give you bad press. You're gonna lose future customers by not staying in your lane than if you stay in your lane and have a good partner. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I just love that you think most people actually <laughs> research this stuff. And yes, Katie, just because you can means you most likely definitely should not. <laughs>
because I'm feisty today. That is all the time we're going to have. Uh, thank you both so much. Amanda, if people want to connect with you, learn more about True Media Home, uh, where can they do that? Uh, they can find me anywhere online at True Media Home, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and email is awildman at truemediahome.com. <laughs> we're going to make a rule. Mitchell, that no one is allowed to mention TikTok on the show. Oh, come on. It's <laughs> no, fun. That's a rule. Katie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB Communications, where can they do that? Yep. I'll, I'll, uh, mostly all over the sphere, not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. There you go. Uh, KMB Communications or Katie McGregor Bennett. It's Katie with the K A T Y E. That makes me unique and special. And maybe you'll remember how to spell it. Maybe you won't, but search and you'll find me. <laughs> All right. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me or send me hate mail for this one, uh, at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social channels, send the hate mail. I won't read it. It's cool. Um, but more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.